welcome to Up Close and Virtual with me, Katie Tew. In each episode, I'll be joined by a guest where we'll be chatting about our experience of starting and running a business, the lessons that we've learned along the way. We'll be sharing our top tips and, of course, best practice. Expect to be entertained, enlightened and empowered. Happy listening. everyone and welcome to the next episode of Up Close and Virtual. I am delighted this afternoon to be joined by the fabulous Alicia Fairclough of EA How To. I am privileged to call Alicia not only a colleague but actually a really good friend. We've got to know each other really well since we first connected back in May 2020 when she very sweetly reached out to me to join her on a panel discussion about virtual assistants and working as one. Alicia, good afternoon, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I mean, a little battered and bruised with my foot in a boot, a foot in a boot, (laughs) my foot in a boot. But other than that, I'm all right. (laughs) How are you? Yes, poor you. I had heard you had an accident with an e-scooter, I think. Yeah, um, it's what happens when you know you shouldn't be getting on an e-scooter and you do anyway, and then you hit a really big pothole. So stay off the e-scooters. That's my tip of the day. Yeah, e-scooters and potholes, not a marriage made in heaven. No. <laughs> I mean, bless you. How long are you going to be in the boot? A month or so, I think. Oh, Christ. Hopefully no longer. <laughs> oh, bless you. Anybody who's listening may not know that Alicia is currently languishing in the USA. She's not actually on a GMT at the moment. She's out in Austin, Texas, so is is enjoying a bit of an adventure. But Alicia, let's kind of kick off the podcast today with a bit more background about, you know, what your story is and how you got to where you are today. Um, Well, I mean, it's a kind of a big question I guess how much could I get to where I am today I was having a, a think about this earlier um, because I never know how to answer these questions about myself at all but I have had at least 30 odd jobs before I found the assistant world I had an extraordinary number of jobs before I figured out what I wanted to do so to speak I was never a person who knew what I wanted to do when I grew up I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Um, (laughs) But I definitely finally felt like when I found the assistant world that I had found my people and my thing. And it was the thing that I stuck with eventually. Um, So I think a whole lot of different life experiences were the thing that were kind of the catalyst for EA How To. But I had I was a school teacher who didn't want to be a school teacher. I knew before I finished my degrees that I didn't actually want to go into school. Yeah. Um, I went and worked on cruise ships. I traveled a lot. I worked in government. I worked, I had my own business when I was a hypnotherapist. Um, I had a full-time YouTube channel. And so there were all of these different things. But one thing that was consistent was that I'm a very organized person. Yeah. yeah. And people had it doesn't sound like it when you put it like that but I am a very organized person and it had been suggested to me before that I would be a great EA and much to my shame these days I was actually quite offended by that at the time I didn't 
understand what an EA did. I basically yeah. thought that they were telling me to be an old school secretary. Yeah. And yeah. I was kind of like, I'm going to have an assistant, not be an assistant. Who are you talking to? <laughs> and well, I wasn't very impressed at all. But that was really on my part, just a really um, shocking lack of understanding about yeah. what the EA profession was and is. And That's once different. I discovered that, yeah. yeah. I, I think that lack of understanding, I mean, you and I absolutely would have come from that background because the old school secretary was still pretty much around when we all first started working. But I think the role has changed quite dramatically and actually one of the things I was going to ask you about later in this podcast and we'll probably come on to it is talking about the differences between what is a PA what is an EA what is a VA what is a chief of staff what is you know there are so many layers and so many intricacies in the role these days that actually sometimes I think we need to redefine them to to the listeners Absolutely. Uh, this is actually my next YouTube video. So I've been thinking a lot about this is talking about the differences, particularly between PA, EA, and then the really popular one at the moment is obviously chief of staff. Yeah, uh, that I have quite a few thoughts on. Yeah. I think VA is a little bit easier to um, kind of separate from the others because of the nature of it being virtual assistant kind of helps you with that. But PA versus EA and chief of staff, there's so much confusion about what each role is and it, and it's just a matter of also titles being used incorrectly and yeah. I'm not a, um, a titles aren't really a big concern for me but I know that they do matter to some people but they matter in terms of how you're perceived for sure and they matter in terms of your career progression and it matters but, yeah. desperately when you're actually putting together that original job description and some of our yeah. listeners will know but others won't but Alicia and I also work together on a recruitment practice that we've developed specifically for administration professionals and we work with corporates who are looking to recruit assistants from PA to EA to chief of staff to VA etc and and one of the things that we found is is defining those roles properly within an organization can be challenging because of their own preconceptions yeah and the global skills matrix has done great work yeah to um, creating a much better understanding among employers and employees about what these roles are and I think the more recognized the global skills matrix becomes uh, the easier that will be but you're always going to have the nature of the job is that it's quite a flexible role and so every workplace is going to have obviously their own description and their own specs for what they want everyone to be able to do and it can become a little bit murky and they also have their own naming conventions now I mean there are so many odd job titles now that just didn't exist before and yes you know even just a customer service person now is always called you know a customer success or cu customer yes. happiness representative or something like so it's just a matter of titles being well, the, new, the CFO is now commonly known as the chief bean counter <laughs> yeah <laughs> Going back to your kind of original stories, can you remember what your first EA position was? Uh, so I had a sort of a hybrid PA slash EA nanny role, uh, sorry, PA nanny role. Yeah. So uh, the nanny for while I was traveling for close to a decade um, in various countries and I took on a couple of sort of hybrid 
personal household assistant type roles. So I guess that was sort of a foot in the door. But that's probably why I even saw EA as just, oh, you just want me to keep doing your personal errands kind of thing. I didn't, I didn't understand that there was such a massive difference between them. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I moved to London was the first time that I'd really formalised it in that I was working as an EA in a barrister's chambers in London. Mm-hmm. So even though I had done lots of kind of EA slash PA type jobs, I didn't consider myself an EA and didn't really have the title EA yeah. until I moved to London. Yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't it? And I think that that's the other thing that I noted in that is the fact that you came from a sort of private household PA nanny role into a, a PA in a corporate legal practice without having any legal experience. And one of the things that I think you and I quite often get sort of challenged by is people who are looking for roles in a new corporate environment that they feel that they aren't right for because they haven't got the necessary in inverted commas corporate experience and I think one of the things that you and I have always said is a good EA can transition quite easily within industry sectors or across industry sectors because actually it's about their ability to do the job not necessarily their knowledge of an industry sector. I've never specialized in an industry and I think there's a lot to be said for doing that for some people particularly if they have a career path that they want to go down if they're passionate about finance and they're good at it and they want to work in the finance industry then cool job hop along that road Um, but really to me it's all in how you sell yourself and no one is going to be for everyone you won't please everyone there are going to be some employers that will look at you and say you've traveled you've done all these different things we we don't like that you haven't stayed committed to an industry you're not for us fine I'm not for you but I am for um the startups I love working in startups I love working in kind of new emerging technology and places that appreciate that you have such a variety of experience so it's really just in I think it comes down to the two things one is how you sell yourself and two selling yourself to the right people the right people will understand that a diverse background is beneficial to them and if it's not then it's just not your place for you no I agree I I completely agree with that and I actually think that you know if you've got a diverse background you bring an awful lot more to the table in any position that you move into so I think you know I like that moving around I like that knowledge within different industries and learning something new Uh, tell us about EA how to how did it kind of come about what was the sort of idea It's funny talking about having a different background because that is basically what led me to EA How To. Um, I was getting my foot in the door for some great jobs in London. I knew I wanted to be an assistant, um, but I had previously had my own business. If you Googled me, it looked like I did anything except being an assistant. Yeah. Because I had a whole online persona from being a YouTuber and having an online business, which I had managed to successfully work for many, many years. but it's not convincing if you go and Google somebody these days and it looks yeah. like they do anything other than the thing that they're asking to do. It, it's not a great look. Yeah. So my personal brand needed some work mm-hmm. and I knew how to build a reputation online. And the first place I knew how to start with that was YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I started making YouTube videos about being an EA. And really the only goal of it was to build my presence, my online presence as being a professional executive assistant mm-hmm. to get the kinds of jobs that I wanted. Yeah. And it really, it grew in ways that I, 
I wasn't even thinking about in the beginning. I was thinking about it from a personal brand perspective, but I was getting all of these people saying, hey, that's really useful. Can you do another video on this? Can you talk about that? Can you expand here? And once I got on LinkedIn, LinkedIn really took off. Yeah. Um, That was the place where I started realizing that I could build a community Mm -hmm. and that this is something that I was really passionate about. And it started really with sharing tips. It it really started with Tipsy Tuesday. Every Tuesday, share tips. And it was anything from a keyboard shortcut to a program that I liked or something like that. And they were being shared a lot. I was getting lots more questions and it just snowballed from there. And I had this idea for a community that I wanted. It was kind of a scratch your own itch situation. But at the time I was in a one-to-one role with a CEO. I was commuting. I didn't have time to do any of that. And then a global pandemic hit and suddenly I did have all of this time. I had you know, work slowed down a lot. I wasn't commuting. I wasn't, I didn't have a social life anymore. No. And I posted on LinkedIn one day and said, I have this idea for this group. If I were to do this, would you be interested? And within two hours, I had about 800 replies saying yes. Wow. So that afternoon, I just started the group. <laughs> um, went, okay, done. And so it's been, it was three years ago in May that that started in the, you know, um, form that it kind of is and now how many how, how many members do you have across the different platform platforms as part of the community we're approaching fifty thousand now wow no way that's extraordinary and I have to say I mean I I am very definitely a member of EA how to I'm also a plus member um, and the value that I get out of it is priceless I mean I just I genuinely couldn't put a value on it I mean it's not just the learning opportunities and believe you me even at my great old age I do still learn um and EA how to is absolutely where I get to learn as most of the stuff that I'm learning these days and in addition to that it's like your kind of best workmates all in a social media environment I mean I've never come across as many like-minded individuals in one place that I have in EA how to yeah, and I wanted that. I wanted it to be your virtual water cooler. I wanted it to be the place where, what do you talk about at the water cooler? You might talk about something that's going on at work, but you might also talk about what you're binge watching at the moment. And that's why we have whatever Wednesdays yeah. when we talk about literally whatever we want. Um, so it's really as much about the community as it is about the courses and the tips and all of that. All of your details will obviously be in the show notes at the bottom after when we air. So please, anybody who is listening, do go along, take a look at EA How To on whichever platform you prefer, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I'm actually a member of both, so whatever. But I mean, I really can't highlight enough the value that there is in, in joining this group. Um, you're now running it as a full-time gig as well aren't you no longer working and (laughs) running EA how to so this is this is a have you had to change the business in any way to kind of support that move into running it as a full-time job or uh I mean it went from being a passion project to a business that I'm passionate about yeah so the core philosophy has remained the same, uh, you know, at the core of EA How To, it's always been about providing 
genuinely useful resources yeah. for assistance and things that make our lives easier and elevating the profession. So that has remained the same. Uh, but I guess what I now have an opportunity to do is to do more of what I've been doing in the last three years and to grow it in ways that will help the community more. But of course, because it's a business, it also needs more structure. I don't have the luxury of saying, I'm really busy at the moment. I can't do things for a few weeks. And it of course needs to have a profit to be it able to keep going. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And how are you finding that transition from kind of being in the workplace and, and the nine to five to being master of your own destiny? I had had a sort of a transition period because I was working for a fully remote company yeah. and my hours were quite flexible. I was already sitting at home and doing my EA role plus EA how-to. Yeah. So really this has just freed me up now to do EA how-to. Um, I had I was very fortunate to have a workplace that, again, they liked me because of EA how-to. Yes. There are companies that will look at that and go, she would spend too much time on that. We don't want that. How do you have time to do your job? Yeah. Um, which has always kind of annoyed me. No one says to you know, a guy who plays football, well, how do you have time to play football yeah, and yeah. have a job? Or how do you have time to go to the gym and have a job? But, you know, um, it is what it is. I've always had, I've struggled with that a lot. I mean, with the coaching and mentoring for the virtual assistants yeah. that we do, you know, one of the classic examples I get all the time is, but I've got a full-time job and I want to kind of start running this as a side hustle, but I don't think my company is going to let me do it. And the the answer to that is the as long as it doesn't impact on your ability to do your job under the contract that you have signed, there is nothing stopping you from doing it. Exactly. I mean, nobody says how many hours do you spend watching Netflix after work? <laughs> I mean, some people watch Netflix, some people start an online community, some people start a VA business. Exactly. If I was doing a knitting business on Etsy, would they say the same thing? You know? Uh, no, absolutely not. Exactly. So... No. It, yeah, it's just given me an opportunity to do more of what I was already doing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's really exciting. And I just I know because we know each other and we talk quite regularly kind of what's coming up. And I have to say it just gets more and more and more exciting. And I just yeah, I mean, I genuinely cannot say how much I hold you in high regard more and genuinely anybody out there please sign up to EA how to because yeah it will become your bible for life thank you so Give much us a glimpse Alicia into a day in the life of EA how to and, and Alicia <laughs> minus the kind of e-scooters and <laughs> I feel like, you know, do I give the podcast answer and say, I wake up at 4am and I meditate? No, no, none of that. I want want the absolute water. Or I do yoga and make a green smoothie. Yeah, because none of that is true. Um, I am a morning person, but I do find that I'm most productive in the morning. So that's when I try and do sort of my heaviest lifting yeah. is in the morning because by the afternoons frankly I'm just I'm stuffed I'm so tired by the afternoons because I do put a lot into the mornings um but it's a lot of time on a laptop it's not yeah glamorous it's a lot of time on a laptop it's a lot of time creating things um some days are more creative than others and that's probably been the biggest change for me with needing to add the structure of having this as a business more so yeah. than a passion project is that I don't have the luxury of just saying I'll do the things that I like doing that are fun for me so 
Um, I, I want to make time to make more YouTube videos. And in theory, you would think I'd have more time because I'm doing this full time, but it's actually harder because there are also just the logistics and the administration that comes with running a business. Mm -hmm. So some days are really creative and I'm on Canva and I'm filming videos and I'm editing videos and I'm recording podcasts and doing fun things like that. Yeah. And other days are spent reaching out to members who, you know, their card has been declined or they need to change their email address or they can't log into the site because they can't remember what their password is. And, <laughs> you know, it's that kind of stuff that you, you don't think frequently. about. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, we can just click send password. So that's fine. But it, it's the back end of, you know, the website and how we're going to host the content and finding speakers. It's really time consuming to connect with who are we going to have as a, a guest presenter? Do um, Does what they do fit with what we need for the group and what the group is asking for? So it's all of that. that. I always think that's a networking element of anything is hugely time consuming. And I don't think people really appreciate because it it's not necessarily just identifying those who might be appropriate. You've then got to have a conversation with them to establish whether there's a synergy. You is know, it mutually not, beneficial to yeah, do this? Exactly. Yeah, no one's doing a, a free webinar for you just for the fun of it. I mean, I shouldn't say no one. Occasionally people do because it's great when it's for the community. Yeah. But ultimately, You've got to find out what do you know, what do they do that matches with what you do? And do we have the same audience crossover? Is it worth the time for both of us to do this? Yeah. So it's a lot of digging around trying to find yeah. a match. It's a bit like professional dating. Yeah. It is. Yeah, matchmaking. And um, in terms of your kind of working week, are you are you good at kind of making sure that you work Monday to Friday and you have your time off at the weekend? Are, are you I mean, I don't mind admitting I'm a bit of a workaholic and I tend to work at the weekends as well, but that's my own choice. But I mean, are you finding a kind of rhythm and a routine for yourself? I'd like a little bit more of a routine I've had to be flexible just because of my lifestyle so yeah. you know moving a lot changing countries going from London to Austin has meant that sometimes I've just had to be home yeah. packing and organizing movers and things which means if they don't do that on the weekend then I have to do EA how to on the weekend which is fine because it gives me a lot of flexibility I will say I'm really good at switching off if I'm on holidays I'm on holidays yeah. and there's a certain amount of email checking that I just have to do because I'm the only one who can do certain yeah. things yeah. Um, but beyond checking in and seeing if anything's urgent I'm very good at just switching off if yeah. it's time to switch off yeah. so schedule wise it has to be flexible but that's also just kind of been a lifestyle choice for me um, but for the most part on a normal week when I'm not moving and having crazy things like that happening then I would say I'm pretty Monday to Friday I'm there's never a day that I'm not in the Facebook group ever yeah. because I'm always checking in on that to yeah. make sure it's running smoothly and seeing if anything needs to be done yeah. there's never a day that I won't get up and check my emails just to make sure there's nothing urgent yeah. but it doesn't mean I spend all day on it no exactly I always like to kind of add a bit of fun into these sort of sessions and the one question I really enjoy asking because believe you me I've had some ridiculous things that were asked of me in the past is in your role as an EA what was the most outlandish or ridiculous thing that you've ever been asked to do? I haven't had many um, crazy bosses in this regard that have asked anything too weird but the thing that comes to mind is 
um, when I was working on cruise ships. So I was, it wasn't in an EA role, but I was working on cruise ships and you have a lot of interesting customers on cruise ships. Yeah, I bet. Um, <laughs> there was one man though, who has forever taken the cake and he, I really detest the term Karen, um, calling a woman a Karen. And I think there's no male equivalent that we use, but we all know what we mean when we call someone a Karen. Yeah. And if I were to describe this man as a male Karen, um, <laughs> you would know what I mean. But he was sort of an older gentleman who liked to point his finger and wiggle it a lot and say things like Missy and young lady. Oh, no. and he was very, very upset about the fact that he could hear the sound of the ocean from his balcony cabin on his cruise ship yeah funny that yeah mm-hmm. and I don't I didn't even know what to say I was kind of like am I understanding this properly you have a a balcony cabin on a cruise ship <laughs> but you don't want it, the sound of the ocean because it was too much apparently and when he saw my reaction he told me that I have a lot to learn about life <laughs> <laughs> and I said I do, that's probably true, but I know enough to know that if you have a cabin on a cruise ship, you're going to hear the ocean. Oh, I like, love it. <laughs> so, that one was up there. Yeah, no, that, that is classic. I mean, that's, you know, we cannot do miracles. You know, they, they just don't. No, there's them. a lot we can do, but I can't yeah. remove the sound of the ocean from a ship. No, I think that's absolutely right. What, what are you... In your head, what do you think makes a good assistant? You know, what's the sort of characteristics? What makes a good assistant? Resourcefulness. Yeah. I think it's just the ability to um, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Which Independently. is... Independently. Exactly. Yeah. So um, knowing where to go to get the information that you need to just just make it happen, just figure it out, to have the attitude that we will just figure it out. Yeah. And and to know when there's also going to be a time where it's not figure outable yeah. and you need to be able to tell people who are um, who wield a lot of power in a company, you need to be able to be honest with them, even when you know it might make you nervous to go in and say, well, actually the thing that you're wanting to do is not possible. So it's just an amount of confidence and resourcefulness and being self-assured enough to know that you have done everything you can to figure out the answer and you've either figured it out or you have come to the conclusion that what they want is not possible but you have given them an alternative you never go in and say that's just not possible it's this isn't possible but this is I I totally agree with that and I think the other one I would probably add to that is is being perceptive being able to read a situation and act on it accordingly. Um, And that's not necessarily taking a load of instructions and following it one by one. That's actually interpreting between the lines. Yeah. Um, I think this would be a really good opportunity, actually. Now we're talking about the assistants to kind of define those differences in the role. That sort of what are the subtle differences between an assistant a personal assistant and, a, and an executive assistant and then a chief of staff? I mean, to me, the most obvious difference between personal and executive is that when you're a personal assistant, you generally work for a per, an individual person rather than an organisation and that you do tend to their personal um, lives. So you might be running errands, you might be booking holidays for their family, mm-hmm. you might be 
looking after hiring of housekeepers and gardeners and yep. you might also be picking up the dryer cleaning and doing um, the car insurance all of those kinds of things yep. um, and that's not necessarily how it is always being used in a workplace there are plenty of corporate organizations that are using the term PA for what I think should really be say a junior executive assistant yeah. or an administrative assistant yeah, yeah um, so EA is much more focused on the business and the needs of the business rather than the needs of the individual yeah. because even when you're working with a CEO in a one-to-one -one role you're there to make their work life easier so it's you know maybe you're preparing the board slides for them and chasing meetings and attending meetings on their behalf to get to follow up on projects and give them a report yeah. um, you know come back and brief them on what's happening yeah. whereas if we're talking about an admin assistant we're talking about those um, everyday tasks around the office maybe you're photocopying and you're binding and you're making calendar appointments maybe you're also helping out the reception team yeah. you might be helping out facilities and um, doing a little bit of the helping out the office manager if you're in a small organization you might also sort of be the office manager yes absolutely yeah. our admin responsibilities as well yeah and chief of staff is a really interesting one because this is the one that I think is it's become so trendy lately that I feel like it's being really overused um, because in the truest sense, a chief of staff is there's quite a leap between EA and chief of staff. Yeah. Chief of staff is very involved in the actual running of the business, not in the helping to organize the running of the business, yeah. but in the finances, they know the finances, they build financial models. And I think finances, I focus on that a lot because that to me is one of the biggest differences between EA and chief of staff. I agree. Yeah. So I look at it as though it was a really nice structure at my last company. There were two co-founders. Each co-founder had a one-to-one -one EA and a one-to-one -one chief of staff. Mm -hmm. And they were on separate sides of the business. So each co-founder looked after a different side of the business. Yeah. And people would say, oh, is, you know, wasn't that weird? Wasn't there overlap? There was no overlap in what the EA and the chief of staff did at all. We both answered to the co-founder. The mm -hmm. EA didn't answer to the chief of staff or anything like mm -hmm. that. We both answered to the co-founder. And our whole job was to work together so that our co-founder essentially had the manpower of three people instead of one so yeah. between the three of us we were you know making his life easier and making the running of business easier but also just dramatically increasing productivity so while I might be I might be organizing the sales team meetings and I can go and chase reports for them and get information and ask questions that I need answered yeah. whereas the chief of staff would be able to actually run those meetings and know what they're talking about in terms of the numbers that are needed and where we need to be. Yeah. Um, I don't know that information. No. I can get the answers and go and put it together and report back, but I'm not the one sitting and building the financial model. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't be able to model them into anything beyond that. And that's not, interestingly, yeah. quite often I, I have historically seen EAs go into that chief of staff role because they've got that sort of financial skill yeah. and experience but vice and um, equally the other role that I've seen them going into is chief operating officer um, that's a big one yeah and that's that that has historically in my mind certainly in the UK been much more common than the chief of staff one I think the chief of staff one in the UK is pretty new and still quite rare yeah it's definitely becoming a thing yeah um 
but I agree moving into ops is a big one and it, and it it makes sense right because the EA does know a lot about the running of the business and if you have a passion for the business side of things and that's the career path you want to go on then you're in a really privileged position to have access to be able to kind of wriggle your way in so to speak into those roles so um Yvette Pearson who I've done um, a couple of collaborations with yeah we did project management essentials for assistance she's very um big on project management operations she moved into an op uh, an ops role mm. and she would be a great person to have a chat to about that kind of career yeah. path I know that we're going to be doing some work on that for EA how to next year because there's a lot of talk about I think the reason sometimes we get given a chief of staff title when it's not really a chief of staff role is purely because you'll often stay in a role for such a period of time that you hit a wall and no one knows what to do with you anymore. Where do we go now? Yeah. Where do we go now? So Classic. rather than just saying that, you know what, you're doing a really great job, you can take on these projects, maybe we could either just keep the executive assistant title or, you know, come up with another one um, and also perhaps we increase your salary oh, yeah. to, uh, you know, reflect the job that you're doing. Um, instead, we're sometimes being placated with a chief of staff title. Yeah. And my question is always, what responsibilities and what yeah. compensation did that come with? Yeah, exactly. I think, if, I think that's a really good point. I think sometimes it's used sort of unnecessarily um, yeah. you're quite right and I think just sort of for clarity you know if you're looking at distinguishing you know the the personal assistant has an element of personal um responsibility yeah. to their exec the EA is the executive is the strategic assistant in my exactly head. And I think, you know, if you can, if, if you're ever confused, if any of the listeners are ever confused, think about those personally, very definitely think about the dry cleaning and doing the lunch run. If you're doing um, the, the EA role, think about the strategy and the overall corporate operations. Um, and I think that sort of helps in that mind. If you had an EA sitting in front of you now who was really struggling to kind of get to grips with their role, could you kind of give them any advice? I think. Self-awareness is really important. Are you struggling because the role isn't right for you? Are you struggling because the environment isn't right for you? Are you struggling with a certain skill set that you could go and improve? Yeah. So pinpointing what it is that you're struggling with without any judgment or blame or anything like that and just recognising that this could be a you problem, it could be a them problem. Yeah. Um, you know, what is the source of the tension? Are, have you been given some feedback that is really warranted when you think about it? Have you been given some feedback that is completely unreasonable when you think about it? Um, I think self-awareness is super important in every aspect of your life, but the ability to reflect on the situation and what it is exactly that you're struggling with, is it something that can be improved by staying and working on it or is it something that could be improved by knowing that it might be time to pull the plug yeah I think that's a really good point and I think you've also then got to be give yourself the confidence to address those issues and yeah, and, that's and, hard. and that is hard so find somebody who will sponsor you who 
is somebody who can kind of work with you to to mentor mentor you through that situation I think and that could be a really great mate it could be a person in your family or it could be a colleague but but seek seek the help to be able to kind of address it and follow it through I think that's always I think there is something to be said for sticking it out when it's a difficult situation but having enough awareness to know when the time is to pull the plug because at the end of the day it's a job and you shouldn't be miserable all the time there's a difference between it being a difficult period at work that you should work through and that it will help you grow and at the end of it you'll be kind of glad that you stuck it out or is this just a really toxic place that's making you miserable and the answer would be to just get out and do something else run for the hills quite frankly yeah if that's that's the answer go 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 get out um and I think yeah I thought also actually sticking with it interestingly I think is really empowering if you identify an issue you work through resolving that even independently or with the help of somebody else if you resolve that the confidence that can come from taking those steps is incredible and you will just feel so much better about life if you can and sticking with it I think is is a really good thing here and sometimes it's all too easy just to run for the hills actually and we don't really push ourselves and test ourselves yes there are run for the hills if it's toxic get out no doubt about it but if there's something that you need to challenge yourself, the empowering, the empowerment that you receive by doing that is just second to none. It really. And is. you know what? Challenge yourself. And if it doesn't work, then run for the hills. Then run you for know. the hills. Exactly. At least give it a go. Yeah. So tech, tech, as we know, in as as an assistant, is becoming an increasingly in, important aspect in, in our roles. What piece of tech, what technology, what app, what whatever that you could not live? What's the one piece you could live you couldn't live without? God, that was- you can feel EA how to members everywhere already rolling their eyes, waiting for Trello. <laughs> um, I know that everyone's going to go, oh my god, she's banging on about it again. Um, if there was one tool that I would use that I use the most, it's definitely that. But technically, if we want to be really specific. The only thing that I could not live without and could not run EA How To without is my laptop. Yeah. I mean, I can do everything as long as I've got my laptop. But as far as tools that make my life easier that I don't want to live without, it's got to be Trello. Trello Trello again. So uh, we'll just share a little story. When Alicia and I were starting um, assistant recruitment up, um, (laughs) within about 24 hours, Alicia said, I'll I'll start a Trello board. I rolled under the desk and out of my office door as fast as my little legs carry me because I'd never used Trello in my life before. Anyway, I now can use Trello, not by any stretch of the imagination to the advanced stages that my esteemed colleague Alicia can. I am learning and I am promising myself that I am going to master it. So I am grateful to Alicia to introduce for introducing me to Trello. and it's extraordinarily easy it's just about is it the place that you want to do it it's consistency because a tool is only as good as the person using it and how consistently they use it so I would say it's a very easy tool to learn I of course do have a little short course on Trello to learn how to use it with an exec and with a team and things like that that people can take but the tool itself is super simple the course that I have covers you know some tips and tricks but it's more about the day-to-day of if you were using this to manage your tasks how because I get so many questions about how I do it it's like people just want a place to start yeah. and so even though I said for years I'm like you just get on and use it <laughs> like I know that's really unhelpful advice but I'm like just just open it and you'll see 
but I sat down and finally put together this is exactly how I use it and I was really fortunate that I was working with an exec when I was at Uncapped. Asha really liked Trello yeah. before I got there as well and their project management teams use Trello to manage all their projects as well and so I was pretty excited I was obviously thrilled when I heard that and I was at the interview going I can do this this is great and we kind of bonded over our mutual love of, of Trello organization but um, I think that might be what got me the job but <laughs> but there are lots of little um, helpful things in there about you know setting dates and creating rules and but honestly it's basically like a really nice looking checklist yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's a great to-do list. Yeah. yeah, and that's how I use it day-to-day. And I do use it in my personal life too. I mean, I planned our entire Austin move on Trello as well. Well, there you go. So if you're organising <laughs> a party or an event, it's got many, many uses. Yeah. What's the best bit of advice that you've ever received? That's a big call. Um, there's one piece of advice that I probably think about more than anything else. And It was from my dad Mm. when I was learning to drive a manual vehicle (laughs) and it was not going well. (laughs) This is another easy um, story, is it? (laughs) Oh, God, no. (laughs) I didn't crash the car. Um, Spoiler alert, we're all okay. But I I had been driving out in sort of paddocks. I was a country kid, so I had driven for a long time, but I had driven automatic vehicles. Yeah. And... I got a car when I was 17 and I was like, I can drive a manual. There are plenty of people, you know, who drive manuals. I can drive a manual. That's fine. And realized I couldn't get it out of the place where I purchased it. And my (laughs) brother, who is younger than me, who was on his learner's permit, had to drive my car home for me while I was crying. And I was having a proper meltdown, like really really like hysterically thinking I've just bought a car that I'm never going to be able to drive and I'm an idiot and oh my god and like having a proper 17 year old meltdown and my dad who I wanted to slap at the time looked at me he said yeah it must suck to not be able to do something perfectly right away for a change (laughs) and (laughs) you can imagine how well that went down with his 17 in that moment but he did you know manage to when I had stopped crying long enough to get it together and say you know one day I know you don't think you're going to be able to right now but one day you're going to be able to drive this car because I had tried and this was not like I just tried and couldn't do it I had tried and tried and tried and I did not understand why I couldn't do it I just couldn't figure it out and he said one day you're going to look back and remember how hard this was and think how ridiculous because look how easily you drive a car now and that will be a lesson that you will have forever and it's true every time I think about something that is really really difficult that just seems because in that moment it seemed impossible I thought there is just no way I couldn't get it yeah I I actually had to get my 16 year old brother to drive my car home home. (laughs) um that's how impossible it was that's the sense of achievement thing again exactly so holding on to that and every time something seems quite hard I do I think you need to hold on to these moments and remember that you know there have been plenty of things that were really hard that seemed impossible that you can now do and that one's I think quite traumatic (laughs) and so I remember that particular one a lot I had one piece of advice driving advice from from my dad when I first um, moved to London and was driving in London he said to me Dort you've got bumpers use them (laughs) 
So I think what he was basically saying is you can use your bumpers like a bumper car. So I get, and I literally, even to this day, so watch out anybody in Gloucestershire in any car park. If it's tight, I will use my bumper to very gently nudge the car behind me to make sure that I am in safe. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's hilarious advice. <laughs> Where do you see EA how to in five years time? Uh, I think EA How To will have the same core philosophy. I think it will still be about providing exceptionally valuable resources for assistance, but I think it will be more diverse. Yeah, It'll be a little more polished. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be a wider range of content and branches yeah. um, you know, along the lines of the courses and assistant recruitment and yeah. all of those things. So the goal is to have more resources and provide more content yeah um, more community events I think it'll just be bigger more diverse more polished um and more exciting excellent and I cannot wait to come along for the ride with you I really can't thank you so much I mean it's been fun (laughs) thank you so much for spending some time chatting with me and sharing your stories with the listeners today it's always a pleasure to talk to you and yet again today has proved no exception thank you so much thank you it's been an absolute pleasure Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to follow me and my guests on our social channels. All the details will be in the show notes. And please get in touch if you have any questions or topics that you might like to have covered in the next episodes. Or even if you would like to be a guest yourself.